Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Across the ASEAN, only on Money FM 89.3. And when we examine markets in Southeast Asia that might actually benefiting unusually from the current geopolitical tensions and market uncertainty, well, you might want to take a look at the Jakarta Composite Index. In fact, Indonesian stocks have been doing quite well, and they were up by more than 10% at one point due to the rise in commodity prices that seems to have supported their gains. Well, there is one fund that focuses in Indonesia that's even beating the JCI's year-to-date gains today, and that happens to be the PT Pinnacle Granditas Dynamic Balance Fund. Well, what is leading to these gains? Today on Across the Asian, we are pleased to be joined once again by Mr. John Rahmat. He's the chief strategist for PT Pinnacle Investment and has almost three decades of experience covering Indonesian markets. He joins us today to share with us why their fund has done quite well and has bested the JCI and whether or not he thinks this uh, commodity-driven boom can last. Mr. Rahmat, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you back on the show. Good afternoon, sir. Thank you, uh, Mr. Ong. Thank you for having us. It's challenging to beat a plus 10% rise, as in the case of the Jakarta Composite. But as you pointed uh, pointed out when we were talking before the interview, the Pinnacle Granditas Dynamic Balance Fund, I hope I got the title right there, seems to have done just that. Tell us how much you beat them by and how much of a part the commodity boom played in your outperformance. Thank you. So in the recent peak, the Jakarta Composite Index actually had appreciated by over 10%. The Pinnacle Granditas Dynamic Balance Fund actually rose up by 17, more than 17%. So it's a very clear outperformance. Now, this is a mixed fund, but unlike our peers who normally would benchmark against a mix of uh, equity and bonds, let's say, you know, 60, 40 or 70, 30 mix, we are actually benchmark 100% against the Jakarta Composite Index, so against the equity index. Mm-hmm. This uh, fund basically aims to outperform the equity index by two methods. Uh, first of all, we have a quant uh, method which will help us to time the market, meaning that we believe we can avoid market crashes. And the second method is during the bull run itself, then we apply another uh, quant strategy, which is basically a momentum factor strategy, which we believe can outperform the index. Even though, as per regulation, our maximum holding of an equity class is only 79%. So with the 79% holding, we believe this strategy can outperform 100% equity index. Now, the difficulty with this strategy is actually when the market is moving sideways. We do not fear downtrend as long as it is a clear uh, trend because we can avoid holding equities. But sideways is what really would have killed our performance because then you know, the fund would be whipsawed uh, up and down, up and down. Now, luckily, since November last year, the Jakarta Composite Index had enjoyed a very strong bull run, and that is really what uh, delivered the uh, big outperformance uh, for this fund this year. Okay, so as we mentioned a while ago, you know, commodities have been doing quite well, and it's really been supporting Indonesia, which happens to be a major player in the commodity space. Tell us how big of a deal are commodities, minerals, resources? How big of a factor does that play in terms of Indonesia's markets, especially their equity markets? This is a very important question. If I may draw uh, everyone's attention to 2018, uh, around this time, 2018, actually, 
was when Indonesia suffered the big crash in both the bond market as well as the equity market. The reason was that at the time the Fed was starting to raising the uh, interest rates in the U.S., and then, therefore, the spread between the U.S. and the Indonesian government bond yields actually uh, starting to move in favor of U.S. dollars. So that caused massive exits by foreign holders of Indonesian bonds, uh, which crashed the bond market and therefore crashed the equity market as well. Now, we are in a similar situation in the sense that the Fed is starting to raise interest rates. And the bond yield, again, you might notice that the U.S. Uh, bond yield has been moving up very strongly. Mm -hmm. So the bond yield spread is moving in favor of U.S. dollar. But unlike 2018, uh, the bond market in Indonesia was, I mean, it did uh, go down, but only a little bit, nothing like the crash that we are seeing in the U.S. markets. And the equity market is having a boom. So the big difference between this year and 2018 was actually the commodity boom. Um, so thanks to that big increases, uh, really due to Russia-Ukraine war, to be honest. Um, so thanks to that big increases in commodity prices, Indonesia is actually now enjoying a big uh, trade surplus. 2018, Indonesia was actually suffering trade deficit. So mm -hmm. yes, you're absolutely right. This commodity boom is really responsible for uh, driving up the commodity, sorry, the, the, the equity index in Jakarta. Right. And, you know, with, we can see the clear relationship between the rise in commodity prices providing a sales boom for Indonesian coal miners, nickel miners. I believe tin was also up. I mean, you name it, uh, anything yeah. that Indonesia is a player in, they, these firms have benefited. But we've also seen imports surge to, in, to record levels, uh, levels and also Indonesia not completely immune to the global inflation surge. Is the average Indonesian and our consumer goods stocks now facing a different reality from those mineral and commodity exporters at the moment? And uh, do you think that there could be a uh, these these two forces are going to clash with regards to the economic impact in Indonesia? You might benefit from these higher commodity prices, but on the other hand, um, you might actually see the average Indonesian still suffering from these higher inflationary figures. Give us uh, help us understand or give us a little bit more context about whether or not this is a, an issue that Indonesia is grappling with right now. You nicely summarized our situation. So we basically have two different trends. Uh, two trends moving in different direction. Uh, so on the one hand, we have this uh, Russia-Ukraine war, which is pushing up the uh, commodity prices and therefore resulted in very strong trade surplus for Indonesia. Uh, and the other trend is China lockdowns, you know, as, as the implementation of the zero COVID policy, uh, which is really destroying China demand for commodities. And China is a huge uh, consumer of commodities generally. And so this will have a dampening effect on commodity prices. Now, with regards to inflation, if you take a look at the Indonesian inflation rate, it's only slightly over 2%, which is way lower compared to what the uh, US and Western worlds uh, are facing at the moment. Uh, and the main reason for that is the strong rupiah, you know, because a lot of the uh, consumer products in Indonesia um, have imported raw materials as their main cost. Uh, so thanks to the strong rupiah, I mean, in comparison, the Japanese yen is now like 20-year low, you know, against mm -hmm. the U.S. dollar. Um, and the reason for the strong, uh, the strength in rupiah is really because of that trade surpluses, you know, driven by the commodity right. prices. So, yes, if the commodity price cycle start to turn, then we will face a very, very uh, dire situation because one, the imported inflation will spike up much more than what it has done so far. 
Uh, and secondly, also the calm in the bond market because the currency was so strong would also disappear. So you put your fingers exactly on the main risk, you know, facing the Indonesian equities right now. Right. And, you know, we actually are starting to see some signs of the Jakarta Composite Index giving back a few of those gains. I believe they're now just up about nine and a half percent year to date. It's still very yeah. impressive. But again, we're also seeing signs of some of these commodity prices starting to come down. And while they did surge because of the impact of the Russia-Ukraine war, we're now starting to see that China's lockdowns are starting to cast a lot of questions on many major mineral players in the world. Um, is this a concern or a headwind that maybe uh, you're watching more closely the Chinese slowdown and how big of a, of a possible problem could this pose to Indonesia's commodity boom and the strong rise of the JCI? Yeah, this is a very big risk, which unfortunately we cannot ha have a good handle on because, you know, everyone else in the world is trying to move, sorry, trying to live with COVID. Um, and returning economic processes, economic activities to normal in a pre-pandemic levels. Uh, China, together with their uh, satellite countries, Hong Kong and Macau, are like the only ones in the world which are resisting this trend and you know, would lock down entire, entire towns or entire cities just because two or three people got COVID. Um, and we really have no idea how this is going to pan out because on the one hand, like almost everyone would say this is senseless. But on the other hand, this policy is now completely tied up to Xi Jinping and we have, you know, uh, the CCP uh, conference coming soon where he would like to be voted for the third term. Um, so it's unlikely that he would actually yield because that will give the impression that he's weak and, um, you know, that would endanger his uh, re-election. But on the other hand, this kind of lockdown policies is really damaging to China economy and hence its uh, demand for commodities. The impact on Indonesia will be massive. Let's let's not be uh, you know let's not be beat about the bush about this one uh, because if that trade surplus dissipates, then the attractiveness of the Indonesian bond market would also go down the drain with it. Uh, we would have a similar situation with 2018 again, uh, where you have the bond yield spread moving in favor of the US dollar. Um, and so far, that, that has not really had a big impact because of the strength of the currency. And so if you take away the strength of the currency, then you know, we will be facing a massive challenge. Mm -hmm. We're still speaking to John Rockmat, the chief strategist for PT Pinnacle Investment here and across the ASEAN on Money FM 89.3. And since we're talking about Indonesian markets, Mr. Rockmat, I have to get your thoughts on the latest headwind, which might be coming from the ban on palm oil exports from Indonesia. And this really, uh, really created some waves across global markets, given Indonesia is the world's biggest producer for palm oil. Palm oil features, of course, wrapping up on the decision. How big of a headwind is this providing palm oil producers in Indonesia, especially given they can't perhaps participate in the price surge for palm oil? So let's put a bit of context into this. You know, the sure. total ban... Uh, against crude palm oil. It's not the first time this happened in Indonesia recently. In fact, way back in November, December, we had a similar story with a total ban on coal exports. Um, and the main reason for both cases is that the government has do not, does not have a good uh, procedure 
to impose or enforce the DMO rules, the domestic market obligation. So talking about crude palm oil, uh, last year the production, total production was 56 million tons. The amount of crude palm oil needed uh, for the cooking oil, the main reason for all this is of course because the cooking oil price you know, shot up more than doubled. And hence the government is really trying to dampen down the cooking oil price by banning uh, export of CPO. But the amount of CPO needed for cooking oil production is only 9 million. So if you apply a domestic market obligation of 20% against a total production of 56 million tons, then that should be ample you know, to meet all the requirements for cooking oil uh, production in Indonesia. Now, the fact that they finally resort a total ban, that shows that the government just cannot enforce the DMO rules. Uh, so that, to start with, that is a very silly situation. Uh, and secondly, within three days of the total ban uh, was announced, the government changed its mind and said, oh, no, no, we are not banning the entire uh, crude palm oil. We are just banning uh, the, the half, you know, half processed uh, product called uh, RPTO line, uh, which is halfway to producing uh, cooking oil. But that is also very silly because uh, if, if that is the rule, then everybody would be just exporting you know, the, the crude mm-hmm. palm oil again, uh, given the fact that uh, the DMO rules uh, cannot be enforced uh, efficiently. So the government really is in the pickle. I do not think we are in the end game yet. Uh, there will be more developments, not necessarily positive for the plantation sector. Right. And just very quickly, of course, I want to tie this back into inflation. Will the palm oil export ban be effective in lowering domestic cooking oil prices in in Indonesia? What are your thoughts, sir? This is tragic, right? I mean, if you already apply, uh, but but the rules have changed now. So um, actually, even if the rules have been maintained and they would apply a total ban against uh, all uh, CPO exports, in my opinion, that is not a guarantee for lowering uh, the cooking oil because the price difference between the domestic uh, price and the export price will be so huge. The temptation basically just to smuggle the CPO uh, overseas will be uh, very big. So even if that total ban applies, I do not necessarily think that it will bring down the uh, cooking oil price by much. Of course, it will have a dampening down effect, but probably not much, not certainly the kind of price that uh, the government wants. You know, the, the government wants 14,000 rupiah per liter. The market price mm-hmm. is about 25,000 rupiah per liter. Um, so it might go down somewhere getting close to 14,000, but I don't think anywhere near 14,000. So mm-hmm. that's why, and then particularly now that they change their mind and say that, no, it's not CPO export bans, you know, it's the RPDO lane, which uh, we are banning. Um, so this is definitely not the end story, uh, Mr. Ong. I think we will have a, a bit more uh, policy issues in coming weeks. All right. I'd like to thank Mr. John Rockma, Chief Strategist from PT Pinnacle Investment, for joining us today on Across the Asian to talk about the commodity boom's benefits and risks to Indonesia's uh, strong start, at least the equity market's strong start to the year. Sir, it's always a pleasure to have you and we look forward to next time you can join us the show. I hope you have a great Wednesday, uh, Wednesday evening ahead. Thank you so much. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.